0: Tis the season, to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la, BS, 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 <laughs> Christmas spirit, all the good. Hey, we good back here? Y'all fighting? Y'all doing anything? No fist fighting? There was so much noise back here, I didn't know if you were whooping Scott or something. <laughs> No respect, that's what happens when you got a bunch of musicians. think they're rock stars. Now where were we? Tis the season. Remember when you were small and it was the season? You were all excited about the season and Santa was going to come. You didn't have a care in the world. Then you became an adult and you realized that Santa cost you a lot of money. Travel stresses you out, and you got to be around family that you avoid all year long, but for some reason during the holidays, you got to be together. I've never understood the logic of that. You don't really like your family. It's supposed to be the most joyous time of the year. Let's see if we can get some preaching going on here. It's the most joyous time of the year, so we're going to be joyful by forcing ourselves to be around people that we've avoided all the rest of the year. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it's the right thing to do. Says who? I've never said that. You know. The older I get though, I've realized that how I think really has a lot to do with how I feel about the season. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to throw her under the bus today, and normally I get her permission when I throw her under the bus, but I didn't get her permission to throw her under the bus, but I'm going to anyway. When I met my wife, she was a Scrooge about Christmas. It was a bone of contention, the first Christmas. Now, that being said, she also sprung on me. She moved in my house in September, did not let me know that her mother chose every year to come down in December for an entire month. I didn't know about that, so that kind of dampened the house a little bit. So no wonder she was grumpy. Gail was living with us for a month. Now Gail's local, so it's like we see her for an hour, we hug her, we tell her Merry Christmas, and we <laughs> boot her back out the door, man, and see her in two days, it works out great. That's the way family should operate. Not this come-stay-with-me-for-a-month thing. I mean, she was kind of a Scrooge. She didn't like Christmas. She liked the holidays. She had bad memories with them. They were a stress point in her past. They were a pressure point in her past. And I'm like a big kid at Christmas. I want to go look at Christmas lights. I want the house decorated. Now, let me make this very clear. I didn't say I was going to decorate the house, but I want it decorated. I want to go drive through the live nativity. I want to watch the Christmas parades. I love Christmas. But it's been interesting over the years. I've seen my wife evolve, and my house evolve, and my kids evolve, and now Christmas is the time everyone gets excited in our house. Matter of fact, it seems like November 1st comes around, and for some reason they now think that's the time we decorate for Christmas. Christmas became two months instead of one month. But really, the way you think about anything, but especially the holidays, all has to do with your mindset. You really determine whether or not it's the best time of the year, a good time of the year, a great time of the year, an awful time of the year. The Bible says this in Proverbs 23, it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why one person can love the holidays and one person can hate the holidays, That's why you can meet somebody and they can be going through a hard time and you can meet somebody else and they can be going through the same hard time and they have two different outlooks on that situation. It's all about mindset. I actually think one of the things the church has done a horrible job at is talking and teaching and preaching enough about the power of the mind. The Bible talks a lot about our mindset. You can't read the epistles. The epistles are are right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Most of them were written by Paul. And you can't read most of those and not realize that Paul was all about mindset. Nobody went through more stuff than Paul, imprisonment, all kinds of stuff. And and yet his mindset was always focused on good and always focused on the things of God. There's power in how we think. But Gary, you're right, I don't know. And I don't want to diminish any hurt that you're dealing with or relational pain that you're dealing with or financial struggles you're dealing with. I don't want to minimize any of that stuff and tell you it's not a big deal. But here's what I am telling you. You having a bad attitude about it's not changing it. It's still there. You being grumpy about it isn't changing it. Matter of fact, I would be willing to say it's making it worse. It was funny yesterday, you know I do events, I do festivals for a living, and we had a huge Christmas market yesterday at downtown Ball Ground. I got there at 3.58 in the morning, and it was pouring rain. Vendors started arriving at 4 o'clock in the morning, and it was pouring rain. And vendors started arriving at 5 o'clock, and it was pouring rain. And vendors arrived at 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, because the events started at 10, and the entire time it poured rain i don't mean it spit i don't mean it missed it i mean it monsooned rain the entire time 77 vendors did not show up that's how many vendors we had almost 150 vendors sign up 77 didn't even show up i get it it was pouring rain but then a bunch did show up and i began to place them and it was funny to watch the difference in the vendors Some would look at me and they're smiling and be like, man, this stinks, but it is what it is. And they start setting up. And then other vendors would show up and they'd get out of their car and the minute their car door would open, they were complaining. I'm like, why show up? Like, you're not stupid, you know it's raining. It's raining. Well, thank you, genius. Genius. About the 11th time I heard that, which probably wasn't fair because I left the other 10 slide. I had a lady get out of her car. It's raining. I said, I tell you what, why don't you get in your car and leave? What? I said, seriously, just leave. I don't want to deal with your attitude. It's raining. There's nothing we can do about it. Now, here's the funny thing. The rain stopped. And I'm not going to tell you we had some world-beater event that broke attendance records, but we had a pretty good event. And vendors made. Ugh. Vendors that had good attitudes and still worked their booth made money. Those who sat in the back and griped that it was cold. Yes, yeah, December, you idiot. it's an outside event. Those that complained it was raining. Those that complained that their, their ground wasn't level. It's outside. Those that decided it was a little windy, so they wrapped their entire tent in walls and then put them in the front where no one could even see what they're doing. They didn't do so good. It wasn't they didn't have good product. It all went back to this. They had bad attitudes. They robbed themselves of a good day. Guess what? I had a good day. I walked around and I shook hands and I kissed babies and I saw people excited and I watched vendors doing what they love to do and making money and I had a good attitude. Oh no. At 4 a.m. I had a good attitude. At 6 a.m. I had a good attitude. At noon I had a good attitude. At 2 o'clock I had a good attitude. At 3 o'clock I had a good attitude. But about 4.40, I hit the wall. I had had an event the night before. I was running on about two hours sleep. I had been rained on all day. And I shook it off, and I said, man, just shake off the attitude. And I shook it off, Kylie, for about five minutes. At about 4.45, I was done. I don't know why I was done. You would have thought I could have sucked it up for another hour because the event ended at 6 o'clock. I was done. I didn't want Christine to talk to me. Scott Farley was there. I didn't want Scott Farley to talk to me. I didn't want to talk to Brian Cho over at his food truck, which is normally what I do. I was just done. I didn't want to walk around and hear vendors. I always like to walk around at the end of the night and hear how the vendors did. I didn't want to do that. And I did something I've never done in all of my years of doing events. I went up to Bubba at 4.50, And I said, when you're done with that customer, you tell these people they can tear down at 5 o'clock, and I'm going across the street and telling them they can tear down at 5. And I wrapped that joker up an hour early. You say, why? I said, really, it was just mindset. I allow the negativity and the tiredness to take over my mind. I could have flipped that switch. But I didn't, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is. And And I think we underestimate that ability. We underestimate mindset. We underestimate as you think you are. So what happens is if you want to choose to focus on the negative in life, you can focus on the negative in life. Do you know there's not a person here today that doesn't have something negative going on in their life? Nobody, everybody, everybody's got something going on. And in the same way, there's people that have positives going on in their life. Everybody here has something positive that you can focus on. It really boils down to what you choose to focus on. So what we're doing in this series is I'm challenging you to give yourself some gifts. Last week we talked about this. It's the season to forgive. And today I want to talk to you about the season for reflection. It's the season for you to self-evaluate. As we wrap up the end of the year, people start to slow down in some ways and we begin to set goals as we go into the new year. But you can't set goals moving forward if you haven't evaluated the past everybody's like new year new me but they don't want to do any reflecting to see how they become new me because if you think you're going to wake up on january 1st and everything is just going to be great because the calendar rolled over to another year you're going to be sorely disappointed that's just not how life works so what i want to do is i want to encourage you in some areas today to take some time as we have about two and a half weeks left in this year and do some self-reflecting do some some, some growth in some areas. I, I want you to do some emotional reflecting, some physical reflecting, some mental reflecting, some spiritual reflecting, some relational reflecting. And I got to be real honest with you and tell you a little secret about me. I despise self-reflection. I don't want to evaluate my life and what can improve. I don't want to evaluate my life and see the areas that I need to work on because I think I'm pretty dang perfect. Except, there's areas in my life I want to change. There's areas in my life that I want to grow in. There's goals that I want to achieve. At 47 years old, I'm not going to stop growing. Because here's the thing, anything that is living, when it stops growing, it starts dying. You're never too old to continue to learn. But the only way we learn is by reflecting in the areas that we can grow in. It's hard. The ability to look myself in the mirror and get serious about my actions, my motives, my characters, it's hard. And listen, we don't lie to anybody like we lie to ourselves. Man. See, we become so comfortable in our discomfort. That we think our discomfort is how things ought to be and we continue to live that. We know there's something more out there. We know there's something better. We know there's something attainable that we ought to do. But instead, we'd rather just wallow in the mess because we know what to expect there. You've got to self reflect. I had a friend, I mean, I guess he's still a friend, he passed on. Many of you know him, Dave Clark, and I remember him telling me one time in his garage, he's like, I'm 57 years old. It's too, too late in life for me to change. And I watched him, he lived about five more years, live a miserable existence. Miserable existence. I watched him come home every day, sit in his garage and drink himself to death. I watched his life become so miserable that he got cancer and didn't even tell anyone, and he died of cancer alone, because he simply wouldn't step back and self-reflect. Sometimes we've got to get real with ourselves. It's easy to blame everyone else for our problems. People come to me and they're getting a divorce, and it's, we take sides. It's his fault. It's her fault. And really, the reality is, it's both fault. There's three sides to every story, his, hers, and the truth. You ever seen the movie Vantage Point? I love that movie Vantage Point. It's a scene, it's a murder scene, it's a sniper scene that goes down. But throughout the movie, they show it from the vantage point of seven different people. They they show it through the view of a police officer that's on the scene, a guy who's in a telephone booth, the shooter, the person getting shot at. It's interesting to see all the different things that the people see and notice of the same scene because of their vantage point. And so what we would rather do, instead of self-evaluating, we'd rather blame. We love the blame game in our life. We'd love to to blame other people for our actions. And we become stagnant in the process. And actually, we don't even become stagnant. We begin to go backwards. Because if you're getting older and you're not changing, you're literally regressing. If you're the same person you were five years ago today, then, then you're just simply regressing in life. You heard me say anything that is not growing is dying. So what happens and we don't even realize it is is we slowly begin to die. And many people die 20 years before they actually physically die. And think about that. We have this amazing thing called life. I, I want you to think about that for a minute. You got up today you got to breathe today. You might be going through hell, but the great thing about being alive is you'll be able to get through hell. You might be in a dark patch right now, but guess what? The great thing about being in the valleys, there's only one to go up. We had this amazing gift called life, and we waste it Someone close to us passes away. That's horrible. It's tragic. Don't get me wrong. But then I watch people quit living for two and three and four and five years as they mourn the person who passed on. They're the one who died, not you. I guarantee you if they got a second chance to come back, they wouldn't be sitting around wasting three or four years. You got one shot. You won't take the risk. Why? I'm afraid I fail. Failure's not fatal. Gary Lamb, king of failure, and it ain't killed me yet. You learn from it, but we become so stagnant in life, we begin to die. We don't want to put in the time of self-reflection, because if we put in the time of self-reflection, we might have to put in the work to change. Bubba and I were talking recently, and Bubba and I set some goals, personal goals, I set some goals, Bubba set some goals, before the year started. Some of the goals we met, some of the goals we didn't meet, and we were frustrated a few weeks ago about the goals we didn't meet. And then I looked at them and said, I said, "You know the problem with the goals that we set?" I said, "We set some goals, but then we never put a plan in place to actually achieve those goals. Anybody can throw out goals. Anybody can throw out dreams. Think about it, we, we make a big D's a dreamer. You fall asleep and dream, that's easy. Dreaming's not enough. A visionary takes the dreams and makes them happen. But we don't want to put in the work to live the life that we know we were created for. We're living a life, going through the motions, knowing there has to be more to life than what we're experiencing, but we're so comfortable in that life that we're not willing to do what needs to be done to achieve the life that we know is capable of achieving. We're lazy. I've been thinking a lot lately, and man, this doesn't have anything to do with my sermon. This is probably I don't have any notes. I've been thinking a lot about the word Success. And when I use the word success in social media posts, I've been trying to clarify what I mean business success, family success, because there's different kinds of success. I've got a buddy of mine who is a good guy. He's been there with me through all kinds of stuff. But business success-wise, he's probably by the world standard not the most successful person. He provides for his family, and he's got a solid job. But husband success-wise, he's amazing. Being a dad, he's amazing. Opposite of that, I know a lot of men who are phenomenal at business success and are not the best husbands and not the best fathers. So we've got to clarify what success is, isn't it? And Even in financial success, your version of financial success and my version of financial success might be two different things. So you've got to clarify what success means to you and what's the life you want to live. But the problem is, once you clarify that, then you've got to do what it takes to reach that. But we're too lazy. We waste our life going through the motions. And I think the biggest thing in achieving the life that we want to do is taking time out to evaluate and reflect on our lives. I'm not a big person who lives in the past. I told you last week there's a reason the front window is this big and the rearview mirror is this big. But make no mistake about it, there is a rearview mirror and it serves a purpose. Sometimes we got to step back and look back. Because when you look back and you begin to evaluate in your life what are the areas that you can improve? Because if you keep doing the same thing, you'll keep getting the same results. And if you're good with the results you're getting super, then ignore this message. But most of you aren't. You know you were created for more. You know there's things you want to achieve in life. The older I get, those goals change. I'm real, real close to them kids and brats being out of the house. I got different goals now. I want to enjoy things that I wasn't able to enjoy previously. I got to evaluate. I've got to learn. End of the year is always a time of reflection for me because it kind of wraps up the church year. I'm setting personal goals for the new year, and then it becomes, the, like yesterday was my last event of the year, so I begin to evaluate. Tomorrow I'll probably make an announcement that I'm retiring from events. That's what I do every year. I will tell Christine that I'm cutting back on events. Then I will come back to her the next day and tell her, hey, the city just called me, and we've added four more events. Last year, literally, I looked at her and Bubba and said, we're cutting back on events. They were in the office. And while I was telling them that, a city called me. They said, hey, can you add this, this, and this next year? I said, we sure can. And I hung up and I said, hey, we just added three more events. And they looked at me and said, I thought we were cutting back. But it's a time of evaluation, and there's things I want to change in how I do business. I can't maintain the pace that I've maintained, so I've got I've to tweak some things and take them to the next level and add people and, and cut back on some things and learn to say yes to certain things and no to certain things. But you know what? I can't do any of that if I don't evaluate There's no greater time than right now to stop and reflect. How do you move forward if you don't know the areas you need to move forward in? This week I was reading my favorite story in all the Bible. When I tell you I have preached on this portion of Scripture in the 10 or 11 years, whatever how long it's been that I've been pastoring this church, I feel safe to say 50 different times, That's probably not enough. I read this particular story at a minimum of once a week. The honest truth is I probably read it every day. I have preached from this portion of Scripture probably 15 different messages from different angles. And this week I'm reading this story again as I do all the time. And after all those years of reading it and all those years of preaching it, I even see it from another angle. And I begin to see a time of reflection in this story that I'd never seen before. So if I'm telling you it's just a season for reflection, I'm about to tell you what you need to do during that reflection. There's some steps we need to take if we're going to reflect and move forward. And, of course, I'm talking about the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And let's start there. The Bible says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Everybody here knows the story of the prodigal son. You can't go to this church for three months without hearing me preach on the prodigal son. But I guarantee you've never thought about it in terms of reflection. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, you need to understand, during this time, a father would die, and he would leave his estate to the kids. The older son would get a portion, and the lesser portion would go to the younger son. So this is the younger son. Father gave him my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Father didn't have to do this. It wasn't a wise request. The father could have looked at his son and said, no, I'm not doing that. But the father, while he was still living, gave his portion of the estate to the younger son. Not long after that, the Bible doesn't tell us how long, but not long after that. I like how it says not long after that because here's the, the consequences for bad decisions will happen not long after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Bible says, I tell people all the time, I said sin is fun. You're not going to hear a lot of preachers say that. Sin is a blast. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. But the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. That fun becomes unfun real quick. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he had a lot. Remember, he just got all his inheritance. And he set off for a distant country. Sin will always take you to a distant country, baby. It will take you to a place that you don't know. It'll take you to a place you never thought you'd be. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to be kept, and it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to spend. It'd look good from here. He, out head, and he set off to a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. He did what we would have done when we were young. I had a father call me this week. Good man, I didn't I said, good man. I don't know the man, but he seems to follow me, and he called me, seemed like a good man when I talked to him. And he called me. I wanted to know if I'd call him, and so I called him back, and he began to talk to me about some things his 19-year-old son was going through. They were genuine things. They were things, as a father, I'm sure would concern him. There were some things that my kids have went through, and I didn't like when they went through them. And he told me, he said, I just don't know what to do But I said, well, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, what were you doing when you were 19?" He said, Well, probably some of the same. I said, Right. I said, Breathe. I said, I'm not saying you excuse what he's doing. There's not consequences for what he's doing. But he'll figure it out. The Bible says you train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You give him wisdom, you give him truth. But that's the problem with us as parents. Sometimes we want our kids to avoid the consequences of their actions, and therefore they never learn. You had to learn. I was very virtuous as a child. But I'll never forget when Emily did some things she shouldn't have done on her phone. Me, being a person of grace, was willing to walk through it with her. My wife was not. She was going to kill her. I physically had to stand between my wife and my daughter until my wife calmed down now I'm not a very smart man I should have waited but I looked at my wife and said what was you doing when you was 15 you know she was out doing things she shouldn't have been doing because she's Christine I don't want the same thing for my daughter of course we don't but they'll figure it out I couldn't relate because, again, I never did any of those things. So he did what we did, so it's easy to judge him and say, "Man, he blew it all." I think it's funny if you're like people win the lottery. Like it's, it's staggering the percentage of people that loot, win the lottery and then go bankrupt, and we talk about what idiots they are. I want most of us to do the same thing. You're bad with money when you make four hundred bucks a week. What do you think you're going to do when you got a lot of money? You just go add another zero to everything. That $5,000 car is going to become a $50,000 car. That $200,000 house is going to become a $2 million house. You don't know how to manage your money. It don't matter how much money you make, you're going to spend it. So he squandered all he had in wild living. He had a good time. Like, I can't, like, I know he's not a real person because it's just a story, but I, if he was a real person, like, that'd be one of the first people I'd want to get to heaven and talk to, everybody, like, I want to talk to my grandmother when I get to heaven. Now, I want to talk to God. And I'd be like, where's the prophet, son? I got to hear some stories. Because I know that joker, man. I mean, he, he, he got crazy. <laughs> There's pleasure in sin for a season. After he spent everything... There was severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. Suddenly all those people that were there for him were no longer there for him. Those that were there for him when he was on top of the world were not there for him when he was at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Those that were there for him when he was spending the money during the wild living are no longer there now that there's a famine in the land and he has nothing. Those people he thought were his friends in that distant country that were living a fantasy with him, now that reality has set in, he realized just how distant the country was. Ever been there? Uh Uh-huh. I ain't convinced God didn't write this story about me. He spent everything. There was severe famine in the land, the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country (coughs) who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. Now you've got to understand something here. This is a Jewish boy. He's now feeding pigs. There was nothing more unclean during this time to the Jews than pigs. They were vile, nasty, disgusting creatures. He has hit his rock bottom. He has taken the inheritance that would have probably lasted him a lifetime. He has went to a distant country. He has lived it up, baby, and he's got some stories to tell now. There's pleasure in sin for a season, and it's all gone. And he's at such a low point in his life that he has to go humble himself and take a job, and he's feeding pigs. It's feeding pigs. But by the grace of God, that wasn't me. When I lost everything, I slept two nights in my car because I had nowhere to go. And a family, by the grace of God, allowed me to move in. That would have been me. I needed to get a job. All I'd ever done was be in ministry and start things. No one really wanted me to be the face of their place, especially locally here. You got so bad at it, by the grace of God, I didn't have to do this. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, because, man, a man, honest works, honest pay. The manager of Chick-fil-A said, man, I can't have you at the counter. He said, but we'll put you in the cow outfit if you want to and you can stand out in the road. Now for me, that's a pretty big shot to the ego. 15-year-old kid, that's cool. I was just about ready to say yes, because the amazing thing happens when you screw up, the bills don't stop. <laughs> Ain't that funny how that happens? By the grace of God, someone showed me an industry, and I started a company, and I didn't have to do that he's out there feeding pigs so low that he has nothing to do but feed the pigs this man's at a crossroads Seem like there would be a simple solution to what he's doing but you'll be surprised how many times you're at that crossroads and no one turns it around Is at a time now where there's probably some time of reflection that needs to take place. Does he get comfortable feeding pigs? And that becomes his life. Does he figure out another way to go about providing for himself? Does he go home? Does he beg forgiveness? Does he do whatever? He's at a crossroads. But in order to make the next decision, he's got to reflect on some things. The problem is, we get at the crossroads and we skip the reflection point and we make an impulsive decision. And then we wonder why we head back down another wrong path because there was never a time of reflecting. We're an instant society when we want a microwave solution to a long term problem. Took us 30 years to gain weight, we want to lose it in 30 days. This is healthy, let me stick this shot in me. Oh, I can't keep the weight off. Well, of course you didn't, you idiot. You did it through a shot. And if you're on the shot, I'm not... Well, yeah, probably not healthy for you. Quick decisions. Impulsive decisions. They always lead us astray. When if we would just step back and breathe and reflect... We might be able to save years and years of heartache in our lives. We're guilty of that, man. We don't see how big the forest is. So we climb right at the edge and we're looking at the tree. We step away, step away, step away, step away. We begin to see the bigger picture. But that only happens when you reflect. I got to give this guy credit. He's done some stupid stuff. He took his inheritance early. He's went out and squandered it all. He's blown it all. He's now feeding pigs. He's at a crossroads. The next decision that he makes in life will determine the outcome of his life. The next decision he makes will determine if he is able to live the life he's created for. Or he'll have to live life going through the motions and learn to become comfortable in his discomfort like the large majority of people do. Because I am convinced that most people are nearly surviving, merely surviving and very few are thriving. It's sad, this amazing gift called life, and we're just surviving. Talking to a buddy of mine, he's 65 years old. He's made some decisions recently, he's fallen in love with a woman and blah, blah, blah. She's 30 years younger than him. Good for him. Good for him. More power to him. Sounds like hell to me, but more power to him. But he told me, he said, but I'm 65. I don't even think he realized what he said. He said, I don't know how much longer I have. Both my parents passed away at about 85. I said, "You got twenty more years. Twenty more years. Twenty years ago, I didn't even live in Canton, Georgia. A lot can happen in twenty years. Get that thirty-five-year-old boy. Go after it, son. Because when you die at eighty-five, she's gonna only be fifty-five. She'll find another one. she, see, she gets to live a good life too." Ain't it funny how we limit our life? I'm too old to do anything. This man's at a crossroads. Sometime a reflection has to happen. I've never seen this in this story before. I've never looked at this story from the sense of self-reflection, but as the younger son's feeding these pigs, he's reflecting. The first thing I see is he gets real about his condition. Hmm. <laughs> You will never move forward until you get honest with yourself about where you are. I'm not trying to become AA today, but there's a reason. One of the steps of self inventory. To look inward and say, where can we improve? Look what it says. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pig's reading. But no one gave him anything. I think it's interesting he even uses that word. They're not even eating fresh seed. They're eating the pods that the seeds came out of. The hard shells. And he's looking at it saying, man, that looks good. A few years ago, he's on daddy's farm taken care of. He's eating like a king. He leaves there. He's man, he's limousine riding, jet flying, Rolex wearing, whatever. Can he keep the crocodiles down? Man, he's wild living life. High on the hog, pun intended. And now he's feeding the pigs. And he's so hungry. He's so broke. He's so at rock bottom that the pods he's feeding the pigs look good to him and they didn't even offer him some of that. When was the last time you got real with yourself about your condition? When was the last time you got real with yourself about the areas in your life you want to improve? When was the last time you got real with yourself about your health? Oh, my health don't matter. Why well, I don't if you want to die early. It don't matter if you don't want to sleep at night. It don't. It don't matter if, if, if man if you don't want to have sex with your spouse anymore. Treff right over there, hey man! God. Still chasing Amanda around that neighborhood. Still running. He gonna catch her though. He ain't quitting. When's the last time you got real with yourself? About your finances. So number one, people come. I got, I've got this financial goal. Cool, that's awesome. I love that financial goal. I got some financial goals too. But when was the last time you stepped back and got real with you about yourself about your finances? Is that attainable goal living like you're living now? Making the decisions you're making now. Hey, here's the deal. When was the last time you got real with yourself about your marriage? Let me tell you something. I am no longer impressed with. I am no longer impressed with how long somebody's been together. Because I know couples that have been together 30 years, and they've been miserable for 30 years. Recently heard about an 81-year-old man. Was married for 51 years. Leaving his wife for a 60-year-old woman. That he met at bingo. I... I'm lying, I'm dying. His name was Clyde. His name is Clyde. 51 years. That's 51 years you've been married. 51 years of hell. <laughs> so when's the last time you got honest with yourself? And I, that, I'm not saying leave your marriage. But what I'm saying is, when's the last time you got real about your marriage? Because you can't improve your marriage until you get real about your marriage. 51 years sounds like he never wanted to self evaluate. Now he's looking for something younger. 60. With all due respect to the 60 year old women, y'all are fine like a wine out there. Man, when's the last time you got honest with yourself about your emotional well being? When was the last time you got honest with yourself about areas in your life that you need to improve? You say, well, I don't see those areas. and ask people close to you. But give them the freedom to speak truth into your life. I've got a buddy I do business with. I love this guy to death. I've been doing business with him for five years. He is the most tender-hearted, nicest guy I've ever met in my life. And I very rarely get in his grill. But I got in his grill Friday night about some things I didn't like that we were doing. And instantly I could see the wall go up and I said, stop. I said, you need to hear the feedback I'm giving you because I'm your partner in this. I'm as invested as you are. And I said, shut up. I don't want to hear excuses. Here's what needs to happen. And I walked away because I knew he needed some time to process He had a decision to make then. He could explain away everything I was saying because I didn't know what I was talking about or make excuses on why he's doing it. Or he could say, man, I need to make some changes. He came and said, man, I see what you're saying. I understand what you're meaning now. And I'm going to tweak this. we got to get back to doing what we used to do. He received it. But so many of us don't want to receive that. We don't want that self-reflection. Take a look around. Look at your surroundings and ask yourself, are you where you want to be? Let me ask you this. Ask yourself, are you where you thought you would be? Because you might not have got there intentionally, but you got there through what you did. And that's the problem. I love the Charlie Brown skit. There's Charlie Brown and who was Charlie Brown's little girl? Now, Lucy wanted Charlie Brown, right? Peppermint. No, Peppermint Patty. Well, hold on. Who? Help me out. Stop. Everybody quit talking. The one in the bluegrass wanted Charlie Brown, right? Blue dress, excuse me. She wanted Charlie Brown, right? No. Okay, we're scrapping this whole story. (laughs) Because I can not understand anything y'all are saying. But there was a cartoon one time, and Charlie Brown is shooting an arrow at a fence. And the little girl who was always kind of a mean one to him, because she really liked him, says... There's no target that you're shooting at. And Charlie Brown said, and I hit it every time. That's the problem with so many people who don't self-evaluate in their life. They're shooting and they're hitting, but there's no target that they're hitting. Because they're not reflecting in their lives areas that they can improve in. At 47 years old, I'm always reflecting. I don't do real good with criticism. You might find, let me repeat that I do really good with criticism for some people. Some people I don't. I don't do good with it for my wife. But who knows me better than my wife? Who loves me more than my wife? Who wants to see me succeed more than my wife? Who believes in me more? Who? who I, I don't even mean this in a, in a mean way, but who benefits more from me being successful than her? Who has my best interest at mind but my wife? So why wouldn't I shut up and listen? Ego, pride. The two things that come before destruction, according to Proverbs. We need to self-evaluate. You need to get real about your condition. People come to me all the time, and they're like, well, you go talk to my son. He's struggling with alcoholism, he's struggling with drug abuse. And I said, does he want me to come talk to him? Well, I said, no, then I will not go talk to him. Why not? I said because I have too much going on in my life to waste my time. When he wants to get real about his problem, or she wants to get real about their problem, then they will come to me, I will drop everything, and I'll move hell and earth to come talk to them. But until they want to get real about their condition, it's a waste of my time for me to go talk to them. You can't want it for someone else more than they want it for themselves. I've had to explain that to Christine about people that are close to her. You can't want it for them more than they want it for themselves. So they can sit back and continue to gripe about the life they're living, or they can get honest with themselves and realize they got off track. But you know the great thing about getting off track? You can get right back on. But you can't get right back on until you acknowledge you're off track. My dad used to be the king of wrong turns. And we were going somewhere. And that joker would never admit he took a wrong turn. It's the way I know to go. I remember one time it took us 11 hours to get to Panama City Beach. 11 hours! 11 hours! Don't be talking, because it took us about nine one time, because we listened to Rick Cope. Listen, 11 hours. He knew he took a wrong turn. All he had to do was get back on track. But he just kept on going. Rand McNally had misled him at that time. But that's what we do. We don't get honest about our condition. When you're in the pig pen, not even getting to eat pig food, just wanting to eat pig food, you'll get real, real quick. And that's the problem. So many of us don't hit. mm, We might not even get through this sermon. So many of us have never hit rock bottom because nobody around us will love us enough to let us hit rock bottom. And that's what you do with your kids so many times. You're so busy saving them and bailing them out of their mess that they never hit rock bottom. And then you get frustrated that they don't change. Why do they gotta change when mommy and daddy keep belling them out? When their spouse keeps belling them out, when their friends keep belling them out. Failure's some of the greatest le- um, teachers that you can ever have in your life. It sucks. It's hard. I'll never forget when I lost everything. I caught now it affected my relationship with my mother for a long time. But I'm thankful for it. I called her. I said, "Hey, what you doing?" Okay. I said, "Well, you probably gonna hear some stuff." I said, "Don't go get the newspaper. Don't get on social media." Why? I said, "Well, blah 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 blah." Next words out of my mouth or my mother's mouth. And I'm not saying she handled this right. Let me make that clear. Because I, I told you, hurt our relationship for a long time. Not, "I love you." Not, "It'll be all right." Not, man, you're fixing to go through some hard times, but you'll get through it. It was, don't think you're coming here. That was a little rough. But guess where I didn't think I was going? There. So guess what I had to figure out? Where I was going. By figuring out where I was going, guess what I was able to do? Come up with a plan. Work that plan get back on my feet. I didn't want to hear it at the time. But it is what it is. I'm thankful for a mother. She could have shown a little grace. But I'm thankful for a mother who didn't bail me out and let me hit rock bottom. I'm thankful for a mother who told me, figure it out. I know family members that are grown adults that are still kids because their parents built them out of everything. They never had to figure out anything on their own. And the reason the parents built them out of everything, oh, guess what? Mm, I don't want to hear this. is because the parents never got real about their condition. They didn't realize they had areas they needed to improve, and they found their validation through saving their kids. Oh, that's a different sermon for a different day. Y'all ain't ready for that truth. We're going to get real about our condition. Once we get real about our condition... We're going to recognize something has to change. You keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you've been getting. What's the definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. It's not enough to hit rock bottom. It's not enough to get honest with your condition You've got to recognize something has to change. I love this next verse. I think I said something about it a couple of weeks ago. I tell you, I preach on this all the time. When he came to his senses, I need to get that tattooed on me. When he came to his senses, guess how he came to his senses? Because he got real about his condition. Now he's realizing I'm standing in the pig pen. I'm meeting with the pigs. Something's got to change. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am. He said, man, he goes, the servants on the farm eat better than I eat. Because guess what? He ain't eating. He said he didn't even get the pods that the pigs had. Something's got to change. Now, here's what I dig about him. Here's what I like about him. Here's what I I, I think about him. He didn't have an attitude of being owed something. He didn't think, I'm going to go back home and daddy's just going to put me back in a place of royalty. He said, but I can go home and I can be a servant. You want to know if someone's truly repentant, see how humble they are. How humble do you got to be to do that? Go back to your dad and say, man, can can I just serve here? Can I clean the toilets here? Can I work the fields here? Can I cater to the big brother here? I'll do whatever because, man, here's the deal, Dad. The servants are treated better here. Pigs are treated better than me in that distant country. You've got to realize there's a better way. Here's the problem. That means you've got to realize that you can no longer be comfortable in your discomfort because it's discomfort. Stop justifying the behavior. Stop explaining away the behavior. Stop normalizing unhealthiness. So many of you do that in relationships. So many of you do that in business dealings. So many of you do that with your finances. You need to realize, man, when you spend more than you make, guess what? That's not normal. That leads to debt. And then you're working for the man because you're in debt and you're miserable. You go to a job that you can't stand. Work for someone you don't like to build their dreams where you can make money to buy things you didn't need to impress people you don't like. And here's the problem. You say, how do I know if it's normal? Here, Nine times out of ten, this works. You ready? If society says it's normal, it shouldn't be. Society says get in debt. Society says, man, go to spend six figures on a college to go get a job that's going to pay you 40 grand a year. Now, that's okay. Some, some of you feel called to do that. Understand, but that don't need to be the norm anymore. Society says go work for someone else and build someone else's dreams instead of building your own dreams. Society says your spouse gets you on your nerves, get rid of them. Society says go eat all this unhealthy food. If the government is telling you to eat it, don't eat it. Oh man, I, hate, I hate, hate what I'm about to say. I don't want to be Mr. Conspiracy. But if you don't think they're trying to program us and get us ready for a certain thing, listen, if you think the government has your best interest at mind, man, I got some oceanfront property in Augusta, Georgia, I'll sell you. Well, I recognize something has to change. If I want to achieve these financial goals, then I got to change how I spend money. If I want my marriage to do this, this, and this, and I've got to change the way I'm going about my marriage because it's not working this way. If I'm miserable at the job I have, that doesn't mean I get to go in tomorrow and quit my job, but I've got to realize there's got to be another way to do it. If I'm missing out on time with my family because of all the time that gets taken over here, then I can't continue to do this if I want to spend time with it. You've got to figure out what's important. It's only me, so many hours in the day. People add, add, and add, but they don't take away anything, and they wonder why they lose time. I mean, at the end of your life, you're not going to care about how many hours you worked. You're going to care about all the memories you missed with your kids. So you realize, you've got to recognize something has to change. Keep doing what you've been doing. You keep getting what you've been getting. I've got to get this out of here. Not only you got to realize, recognize something has changed. you've got to realize there's a better way. There's a better way. I will set out and go back to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. He realized there was a better way. Now again, he was not going home to be placed back in the position he had previously. But he knew that was a better way. Look what he said. He's not going home and making excuses. You talk about owning your mess. I I will set out. I will go back to my father. I will... I'm trying not to cuss anymore, but you gotta, I got to cuss in this phrase. I'm going to own my shit. I have sinned against heaven and against you. Don't come to me apologizing but explaining away your apology. Don't come to me asking forgiveness but justifying why you did it. Come to me and say, man, I screwed up. I messed up. I was wrong. Let them know, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But dad, I was in the distant country and I was eating. I wasn't even eating with the pigs, but I was feeding. They were eating better than me. Can I just be a hired servant? You've got to realize there's a better way. Can I tell you today, God's way is always better than your way. God's way is always better than society's way. The world will tell you you can't have a good marriage and God says you can. He said, well, let what God has put together, let no man put asunder. Society will tell you that you'll have to work the rest of your life to pay for what you have just to keep up with the Joneses. And God said, man, I've got all kinds of ways to manage your money. You know, the Bible talks, I, you say, hey, keep it up, I think that's one of the things that keeps us that way. We need to evaluate. The Bible talks more about money than anything. And it doesn't always talk about giving, contrary to what all the pastors say. Now, the Bible does talk about giving. Can't get around that. I'm going to talk about it soon. It's going to offend some of you. You're not going to come back, and that's okay. But you're going to leave in the truth. But it also talks about managing your money. And how to, you, you, don't, you don't have a money problem. You've got a spending problem. Number one cause of divorce, money. Two people can't agree on money. Me and Christine have a lot. It's actually one of the strongest areas with me and Christine, but we have so many friends that have separate accounts. They used to always be anti-separate accounts. Now I'm 100% for separate accounts if two people can't agree on it. Because how unfair to me that I got goals and I got dreams and I got stuff I want to do and this person just wants to spend, 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 spend. So here's the deal. I'm going to boot you or we're going to have separate accounts. That's the book of Gary. I'm not saying it's the Bible. I'm just telling you. So many friends of ours, man, can't, like, this guy's got goals, this woman's got goals, and this one just spins, 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 spins. No. There's a better way. It's God's way. I don't want to get into a talking bad about someone stuff. But the first two years I was with Christine was the least two years of money I made ever in my life. Ever. Not ever in my life, but probably my adult life. Even when I lost everything, I made really good money. I had more money in the first two years married to Christine in the bank, making less money than I'd ever had, than I had the previous years making more money because she knew how to manage money. Another one just spent money. I didn't have a money problem, I had a spending problem. I used to keep up with it in my head. Christine took over the finances. She said, how much? I? I said, there ought to be about five or six grand in the bank according to my calculations. Okay. 14 hours later of her managing the books and figuring out the books because I didn't write anything down. She said, eh, "There's about $900 in the bank. I said, no, you calculated wrong. She said, no, this is called facts. It's numbers. They don't lie. <laughs> Guess what? I realized there was a better way. Guess what that better way was? Keep up with my money. Not spend more than I make. There's a better way. Some of you communicate with everybody but your spouse. There's a better way. You can have a better marriage. Learn to communicate. There's a better way. Some of you can have a better relationship with your children. The problem is you want your children to get involved in what you're involved in instead of you getting involved in what your children are involved in. There's a better way. People tell me all the time, it must be nice not to have to work and that's stupid, I work. But here's the deal. I'm glad you look at it that way. I found a better way. Sorry, that you're so dumb, you've got to go work 60 hours a week for someone else. That's my new response to people. It's not very nice, but I'm not a very nice person. I found a better way. So we're going to get real about our condition. Got to evaluate. We're going to recognize something has to change. We're going to realize there's a better way. And last, we're going to actually react to our plan. You can come up with the greatest plan in the world until you get the testicular fortitude to step out and put your plan into action. It's never going to happen. Luke 15 says, so he got up and went to his father. (laughs) So he got up and went to his father. The plan was, I want to be a servant. But guess what? That plan would have never happened had he not got up and went. You can talk all day long about how you want to get your health in line until you start eating right and working out. It doesn't do anything. It's just a theory in your head. You can talk about all day long how you want to find another job until you start actually looking for other jobs and pursuing other jobs. Then guess what? You're never going to have enough. It's just lip service. Flap them jaws, baby. Talk is cheap. You've got to put that plan into action. Everybody wants it easy. Listen, anything worth having involves work. It's funny. Every super successful person I know, I know other people that mock the success of those people. Must be nice. It is nice. They worked. They put the work in. Why don't we quit explaining people's success away? Well we can't because we're too jealous. They put in the work. We gotta put in the work. I used to explain away the success I had. I I put in the work. It might not be work to you, but I guarantee you in my industry I'll outwork any of you because that's what I do. I got a plan. plan doesn't do any good if you don't put the plan into action. Our event yesterday in Ball Ground was the first time we'd ever done that event, so guess what we did? We spent out three days in Ball Ground evaluating, reacting, figuring out the best way to go about it, but none of that mattered until yesterday morning at 4 a.m. when vendors started rolling in, and then we could put the plan into action. Guess what? The plan worked somewhat, and we'll review it and tweak it. Will self-reflect, if you will. 2024 can be the best year of your life, not because January 1st rolls around, but because you finally self-reflect and get honest about some things, stop talking about some things, stop blowing smoke up your... And that's the other problem. Social media has made so many people think they're somebody when you ain't... Everybody knows me in town. Well, guess what? That and two bucks to get you a coffee. I don't even know how much coffee is. That and something to get you something. (laughs) That and 30 bucks to get you lunch at Taco Bell. How about that? Don't matter. Ever. Some lady was going ham on me the other day on social media. Imagine that. And I, Christine said, who? She said, I don't know. Let me click on it. She was a digital creator. Everybody's a digital creator nowadays. She had 178 followers. I don't know who she's digitally creating for, but I'm glad those 178 people are entertained. 179 now because I followed her just to make her mad. Everybody thinks they're somebody because they can post something on social media. That do not mean anything. Matter of fact, We've allowed social media to become a form of work, and it's not work. Work's work. i got to wrap this up. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I want you to understand this. In this day and time, that son would have been dead to that father. But he said, while he was far away off, the father saw him. You know why? Because the father was looking for him. You know what I've learned is when I put my plans into place, they always exceed my expectations because God is bigger than my dreams. He was just waking me to take the first step, and he blows it up. This son didn't expect that. The father ran out to him through his arms. The son said to his father, look at Mm him. He could have manipulated in this situation. Man, my dad just ran out to me threw his arms around me. He's loving me. I'm changing the plan Dad. Can I just come home. Can I just play on dad's emotions? He didn't. He stuck with the plan. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Father cut him off. Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found and they begin to celebrate. All that happened because of self-reflection. I'm telling you, if you'll spend some time over the next two and a half, go away. Christine already knows I'll be going away soon. I'll go hiking for the day. I'll get out in the woods. I'll go somewhere, me and a notepad. No phone, no talking to her, and I will evaluate. I got goals. I don't want to be doing at 55 what I'm doing at 47. I'm getting too old for this crap. It's catching up with me. I gotta evaluate. I don't want to be having discussions at 50 with you guys like I had a couple of months ago. I gotta evaluate and improve. I want my relationship with my kids to continue to grow. Guess what? I gotta evaluate and improve. I don't want to have to suck in when I button my pants. I gotta evaluate and improve. And every time I evaluate and I improve and come up with a plan and I step out and follow that plan, I don't use this lightly, every time, God's plan exceeds my plan better. But he was waiting for me to follow, step out and do what he told me to do. Son comes home and the father says, man, I'm restoring you back to what you were. But he had to take that leap. Now I'm going to wrap up here in the same part of the sermon. You need to understand that self-reflection comes with a cost. People around you, if you start to improve and better your life, you get your marriage in line, you get your finances in line, you get your relationship with your kids, you start chasing your dreams with your career. People you think would root for you will not root for you. Misery loves company. They loved you being around when you were at their level. But whole other levels mean whole other devils. And people you thought would be cheering for you will no longer cheer for you and they will explain away your success and they will criticize you and then they will tell you that you have changed. You look at them and tell them, you're right. You've changed. Yep. I am no longer who I used to be. You think they will be with you on the journey to success, but no, because they're stuck in their failure and they liked you there with them. You say, where are you pulling that from? Well, let's look at the Bible. Same story. Meanwhile, meaning while all the other stuff was going on, the dad was still in the party for the son. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Oh, by the way, the older son who didn't ask for his inheritance early. The older son who's out doing what he was supposed to be doing. The older son who followed the rules. The older son who deserved to get patted on the back. Older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music and dancing so he called on the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he was he, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. Not excited. Not excited that his younger brother was home. He became angry. And he refused to go in. Family member. You'd have thought he'd been excited. Look what the father does. He went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave even a young goat so I could celebrate my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, I told you he had a good time. <laughs> prostitutes came home. You killed the fatty calf for him. Jealousy. They'll get jealous of you changing. They'll get jealous of you improving. I need to tell you that because it's going to come as a shock to you. People that were with you at level four probably will not be with you at level 10. Some will, but very few. They don't want to see you, I got to wrap up. They don't want to see you improve. They don't want to see you grow. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours, but we celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead, he's alive again, he's lost and he's found. Listen to me. Self-reflection will change your life if you put in the steps I told you today. When you self-reflect and put in the plan, God will exceed your expectations and people will criticize you, but guess what? You'll live the life you were created for. But you've got to get honest with yourself. Let's pray.